I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 13 of the Parenting Aces podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week I am so excited to bring you a former NCAA champion, a former UNC Tar Hill, a former number one junior player, a current professional player, Jamie Loeb. Jamie and I recorded this podcast um, right before the winter holidays. And she was in Buenos Aires when we recorded. And so I'm super, super excited to share our conversation with all of you because Jamie really has done the whole thing. She was a top junior, a top college player, and now working her way up the rankings on the Pro Tour. And she has so much valuable information to share and also some realities to share with all of you guys about life on tour and what it takes takes to get there and find success there, including the financial uh, challenges, let's say. So I hope you will listen to this or watch this. And, you know, if you have the ability or know somebody that has the ability to help Jamie out financially, Uh, That would be amazing. You can contact me and I'll facilitate that connection with her. But otherwise, I hope you learn something from her journey and take advantage of all the knowledge that she shares. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Jamie Loeb. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, hey, Jamie. It's great to see you. Thanks for joining us from Buenos Aires and um, welcome to Parenting Aces, I guess. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm a little ways away, um, but, you know, I'm I'm happy to join you from uh, down here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as promised, we are recording. It is the seventh night of Hanukkah tonight. So we decided we were going to have a little Hanukkah um recognition. It's <laughs> a little party. Um, I don't have any dreidels. I don't have any goat, but I've got my menorah all set up for tonight. So just thought I would share that. Talk about like being so far away from family at the holiday season. Yeah. So this is actually the first time in at least I'd say maybe my like orange bowl or Eddie her days where I missed Thanksgiving. Um, I also have missed Hanukkah. I'm about to miss my dad's birthday. 
Um, I don't celebrate Christmas, but I will be missing that as well. So yeah, an unusual year. Normally this time of year, um, I spend it with family and I think as most, you know, tennis players are kind of, you know, at home a little bit with their, with their family, but I am uh, still in South America. I did a little South American swing, uh, played three tournaments, uh, Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. And then I was, you know, going to stay in um, Buenos Aires and Argentina for a few days after Uruguay. And I ended up, you know, here I am extending my stay. And, uh, well, you know, we'll be back for another couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this summertime. You know, the, the nice weather has really got me. Yeah, absolutely. A, a little nicer than maybe being in your home state this time of year. It's probably a little chillier in New York. <laughs> Slash North Carolina. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, true, true. Um, so I want to just start out in case we have listeners that aren't familiar with you for some unknown reason. Um, fill us in a little bit on how you got started in tennis and your tennis journey to this point today, which is playing on the WTA tour. Yeah. All right. I'll try to keep this brief. So I started tennis when I was three years old. Um, for context, I am now 28. So 25 years of my life been, has been devoted to this sport. Um, I'm the youngest of four, two brothers and sister. They all grew up playing tennis. My oldest brother and my sister played for college. Um, my mom taught herself tennis. So that was like the introduction to the sport. So, you know, by the time I was born, I basically had no choice since my family was already playing. Um, actually, I was on a ping pong table before I could even walk. And, you know, my brothers would just feed me balls and, you know, just get that hand-eye coordination working at a young, very young age. Um, and, yeah, so I started playing tennis when I was three years old, played my first tournament, I think, when I was eight or just turning eight. Um you know, just like this little thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, from there I played, you know, junior tennis, every level from, you know, 10s, 12s, 14, 16, 18s, um, had a pretty successful junior career. Um, I would say like in, in each age group, um, you know, I won the 18 super national, um, at the time I was in Arizona, the winter super national, um, three times. I did. Yeah. 16s, 18s, 18s. Yes. <laughs> Refreshing my memory. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Had a lot of su success in juniors. It was number one, um, ranked in the 18s, 16s. And yeah, I, um, you know, like I said, very much tennis upbringing. And then let me uh, interrupt you one second. Did you travel internationally as a junior? Did you play junior slams, ITFs, any of that stuff? Uh, so the first time I went outside of the country when I was, I, I was 17 years old and I went to Australia. So before that, I only played in the U S um, I, so I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, I also played high school tennis where I won the state championship for New York, a uh, New York state championship, my sophomore year. And then my junior and senior year, I did online school so I can pursue my tennis travel a bit more, but I didn't travel outside the country until I was 17 for Australian open juniors. Um, I got my ranking high enough. I think my career high for ITF was 30 in the world. And I, yeah, I, at the time I wasn't traveling internationally, um, played a lot in the U S and then, so I played all four grand slams as a junior, um, and my best result, I made quarterfinals of junior Wimbledon. Um, 
that was the first time on grass as well. And uh, so that, I guess, is a very, very brief synopsis of my junior career. And, you know, I had a decision to make if I was, you know, I had offers to, you know, go pro. I had, I got many college offers, um, you know, all over UCLA, Stanford, Florida, UVA. Um, and, you know, I made the best decision and went to the best school out there, which is the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, go Heels. Um, and you know, that was a big decision for me because I did have a lot of success success as a junior and could have had the possibility to go pro right away. But, um, you know, it's a big decision, not only for me, but for my family, for my parents and, um, no one in my family has been pro in anything. So they want to make sure that it's the right time. They also very much believed in education and I thought it was the best decision for me at the time to go to school and to, you know, mature a bit more, like, you know, have a team environment. Um, yeah, just experience college, um, which I did for two years um, at UNC and had a very successful um, freshman year. And I forgot I won a lot of, I think I won, I won a lot of matches. I have to refresh my bio here too. <laughs> Maybe you can, you can help me out. Um, and there was also talks about, you know, I wanted to potentially leave after my, uh, my freshman year mm-hmm. and cause I had such a good year and also had opportunities, but then my parents are like, look, like you need to go back to school. If you win NCAAs, we'll have another conversation. Um, I ended up winning the NCAA singles title my sophomore year. And I didn't make the decision that I was going to be pro until I found out that for sure I got the major wild card into the U.S. Open. Hmm. Um, that was a big decision. But also, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. When I was playing towards the end of my junior career, um, I did, you know, play in the junior U.S. Or sorry, I played junior U.S. Open, but I also played U.S. Open and the pros. Um, I got qual- like a couple of qualifying wild cards. So I had that experience um, and exposure there. And then once I got the main draw wild card into the U.S. Open in 2015, um, that solidified my decision to turn pro. And I played Caroline Wozniacki on Arthur Ashe at 11 a.m. as my pro debut. And here I am eight years later still competing on tour. I love it. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about your parents' role. You you talked about the fact that academics were very important in your family. So you stayed in regular school through your sophomore year of high school, but then made that decision to go online. How did your parents feel about that? What was their role in making that choice with you or for you or taking a step back and letting you make that decision on your own? I mean, how did all that work? Yeah, a lot of it, um, you know, they had conversations with my coach, my coach at the time, um, Jay Divichetti, who actually, he coached me when I was eight. And he still like he's I still, you know, work with him to this day. Um, So that's 20 years of being with someone and you know, them really seeing you grow up. So that's really special. But he he definitely saw my potential. And, you know, always pushed for me to like, keep raising my game and I take it to the next level. My parents, you know, kind of, you know, like didn't, didn't really know a whole lot uh, in terms of like, okay, well, ITFs, travel, also the finances, like what that entails. 
And um, also too, it's just a, it's a huge change. Like as a, as a kid, as you know, being in high school, um, you know, having friends, I already made so many sacrifices and missed so many birthday parties and events that um, switching to online school, I would, you know, have even less of a social life. And that's like a very critical part of, you know, your childhood. And um, that's like, that's also something to factor in. But at the end of the day, like we all had a conversation together. I think it started with, you know, my coach and my, you know, bringing it up to my parents and them thinking about it and also just thinking about the financial cost of the schooling Mm -hmm. and the travel. And I think once they were okay with that, then we all had the conversation because at the end of the day, it has to come from me and something I want to do. Um, but once again, you're, you're that young, you don't really know, um, like what this all means. And, but I, I knew I wanted to pursue tennis and I wasn't able to do, you know, play the tournaments I was going to play if I would have stayed in school. So yeah, I then, you know, bought in and, felt like that was best for me and, um, you know, my tennis at the time. Did you have a clear understanding of what it was going to take for you to find success playing in these international tournaments, the junior slams? And was it a conscious decision that, hey, I'm on board with this, I'm going to put this work in and do this? Or was it something that just kind of evolved? And, you know, as things came up, you were like, okay, I guess this is what I need to do. Okay, this is what I need to do now. And yeah, I think with like, pretty much anything in life, you just don't really know until you do it. And especially this, it's such a unique experience and not really having, you know, someone even in your family or, or close to you that has gone through it, um, to like walk you through things. But I think you also just, it's like, like I said, it's like life, you have to experience it for yourself and everyone's path and experience is different. So it's hard for me to say, I don't really remember like what I was thinking at the time, but you know, I had everything there. Like I had my coach, I had my family, I had like, I just had to show up to practice and play and like whatever tournaments they're telling me to play. I'm like, okay. Um, and yeah, it was honestly way more simpler and easier than it is now. Cause all I had to do was, was play. And I definitely travel, didn't travel nearly as much as most of the kids do now that are playing ITFs and that are doing online school. But I also think, you know, there's a bit of a change in with the scheduling and everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I traveled, well, I wish I traveled more internationally, like when I was younger, maybe when I was 16 or, or like play a, like a few more ITF events. So I have more of that exposure at that level. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I definitely feel like there was a big difference between say the USDA tournaments and then the ITF tournaments. Um, so to like have that experience and exposure and being around, you know, girls from different countries and different game styles like could have been helpful even at like a little bit of a younger age. Interesting. Who were some of the juniors that you were coming up with like that you were seeing, you know, week in and week out at tournaments? Um, in terms like the ITFs or all of them. I just kind of give our audience an idea of like who you were coming up alongside. Yeah. So I'd say like you know, in the U S like, you know, played 
Jenny Brady, Allie Kick, Sasha Vickery, Samantha Crawford. Um, you know, they're all girls like my my year. Um, you know, and you have, you know, Brooke Austin. Um, who I mean, there's like so many, yeah, other girls. Um, and then internationally, uh, Belinda Benchich, Siniakova, Krajcikova, Kantavit, um, Sharif, uh, I mean, they're less, yeah, I don't know, the yeah. list, like, on. um, yeah, and then you see these girls today, and you know, they're still, still doing it, and, um, yeah, so definitely, like, I grew up with these girls, and we're all, a lot of us are still doing it, it's always interesting to see, like, where we all end up, but, um, yeah, there's definitely, a, like, a lot of the girls, even, say, in the top 100 in the world, like, I had, like, you know, played against in juniors, or, like, you know, young, like earlier in my career, like have played against them. So it's all. I love that. Was there ever a period where you were considering giving up the game? Did you ever go through that burnout? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I definitely, you know, have questioned myself at times and, you know, have been in pretty, some, some dark places. Um, And a lot of it comes, you know, on the road when you're by yourself and you're on maybe like week six and you're in a foreign country um, and you're just missing home and not sure if this is like what's right for you. And um, there's been times where I wish I would have listened to myself and actually taken a break um, instead of keep going and keep figuring it out because some, you know, at, at everyone, no matter what you're doing, you kind of reach like your threshold of how much you can really take on. And um, I tend to put a lot on my plate and expect myself to, you know, succeed mm-hmm. through all of it, through all of everything. So yeah, there's, there's definitely been times where I have kind of like reached that breaking point. And then I've had to take a good step back, but I still wish I would have taken, you know, taken more of a step back. Um, which is why I'm in Buenos Aires right now and just kind of relaxing a little bit before I start more training because I've had such a crazy year. I played 32 tournaments, 24 of the weeks or 24 of the tournaments. I've traveled by myself. This is the most I've ever played. This is the most I've ever traveled, a bit tired. And I'm like, I owe it to myself to just kind of slow down and, you know, do what I want and going to do a little bit of training here and try something new. So yeah, I definitely uh, would say that this is kind of not my, I wouldn't say my breaking point, but you know, time for me to really reflect on like what, how I want next year to look like. Cause um, 32 tournaments is way too much. Yeah. That's a lot. Have you ever been sidelined with injuries at all or has your body held up pretty well so far? Um, I would say most of my life I've been healthy, but the last three years have been a very big challenge for me. And that's been some, that's also been a part of this whole process of, you know, like the, the loneliness, the doubt, just the confidence. Cause yeah, when injuries come into play, it, it changes things and it, it takes a while to regain that confidence in yourself in your game in your body. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was really unfortunate, like just the timing of things like, um, you know, early 2021, um, yeah, January, yeah, started, it started, yeah, January, 2021, 
got COVID. I have had like pretty bad, like long COVID symptoms and mm-hmm. like weird things. Have, yeah. That like really took a toll on my body. And um, at the time I was like, kind of, not ignoring it, but just not really accepting it. And then later on I was like, oh wow, like these things aren't normal. So like, that was like, you know, that, and also just not understanding like what is COVID and like, what does this mean? So there's that. And then, um, you know, I qualified for the U.S. Open for the first time in 2021 and then played EGAS Tech first round, tough first round. <laughs> um, but then a few weeks after that, I ended up um, tearing my right calf and having an, uh, an ankle sprain in my left ankle, like back to back. So I was sidelined for a bit, came back too soon. And you know, my body like wasn't really recovered for like a year because I just kind of came back too soon. And yeah, it's just kind of, it was, it was this whole on and off thing. Um, you know, and um, honestly, I feel like it took me until probably maybe September or September, maybe no August, I would say August of this year where I actually felt like my body was like pretty healthy again. Oh, wow. Um, different ways. Yeah. So that's a challenge and that's what people don't realize that it's not so much, you know, getting over the injury, but it's like the effects in your body. And as you get older, you know, it becomes a little bit harder, even though I feel very young and young at heart, and I take great care of my body. There's just, there's so many factors. And also, you know, the travel never helps um, the constant travel. So yeah, I've had to deal with quite a bit, I'd say the past few few years. But prior to that, I mean, I was I was a very, that's pretty healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're lucky that you stayed healthy throughout your junior and college career. And, and I think injury and illness are just part and parcel of being a professional athlete and having to travel internationally, like you said, um, puts a great toll on your body and your mind. And, you know, if you're exhausted, you're more prone to injury. And if you're injured, you're more prone to, mental fatigue and, you know, it just kind of all works together. Um, not in a great way. So good for you for taking some time now, but I want to know like what keeps you coming back after these setbacks? What, what is it about tennis that, that keeps you in it and wanting to improve and wanting to compete? Yeah. Sometimes I ask myself that question too. I'm like, but why are you still doing this when you're putting yourself through so much pain and agony? Um, but look, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't still love it to whatever capacity. I mean, I definitely do as much as, you know, at times it's really tough in many aspects. Um, but I really do deep down believe that I still have it. I have the game. I have, you know, I have the talent. I, it's just a matter of putting it together and, you know, I don't want to regret anything. And I feel like if I were to stop today, I would still have regrets, whether it's, you know, my training or things, you know, I still want to achieve and I want to, you know, give myself a shot and I do it a certain way. And yeah, I, I, it's, you know, I mean, tennis sports, it's, they're, it's highly addictive. Um, We have this (laughs) adrenaline rush. I mean, you, you play to win and to, you know, like, you know, be at the top and, it just kind of makes the the hard moments um, sweeter once you, you know, kind of 
have the, that success, but also success just comes in different ways and forms. So it's how you look at it. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I still have that belief in myself, um, that, you know, I can be top hundred, top 50, top 20. And, um, you know, I want to keep giving myself that chance. And although the travel is my least favorite thing, it's also my favorite thing because I get to be in different countries and cultures and meet so many people along the way that it's really cool and really special. And a lot of people, you know, can't say that they have that experience. And I really enjoy that. And I really enjoy the relationships I make along the way and the impact those people and places have on me and vice versa. So there's just so much more to it than just the on-court aspect. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I want to be the best I can be and I haven't peaked just yet. Love that. I love that. Before we recorded this, um, you and I chatted offline a, a bit and, and one of the biggest challenges that you and I were discussing is the financial piece of staying out on tour. And the, you know, we see the top players and they're traveling with these entourages and they're getting these huge checks at the end of the tournaments. And, you know, they're staying in these beautiful hotels and homes and things, but that's not real life on tour for most of the field out there. It's, it's, the way that the very tip top of the game is, is living life, but for people outside what the top 50, maybe it's, it's a very different way of life. And I'd love for you to share some of that, some of those challenges with our audience and some of the ways that you are coping with and hoping to cope with some of those challenges. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people and a lot of maybe people watching this have, or listening to this have um, seen Breakpoint, the Netflix documentary. And, you know, that definitely highlights the top players and you see them with their teams and you see them at the big events and staying at nice places and everything. And yeah, that's only a very small percentage. Um, you know, the tour has like thousands of players and that's like the top 50. So a lot like, a lot of times traveling, I'm traveling by myself. I mean, 24 tournaments this year, I'm by myself. And that's a lot of, a lot of weeks, a lot of weeks, just, you know, sitting in your own hotel room and, you know, just having to figure out last minute logistics and all this stuff. So, you know, ideally I would love to have a fitness coach or a physio or, you know, a tennis coach, like, with me. One, one, honestly, one of the three would be great, but it's an expense. I mean, I can barely afford my own expenses and like my life expenses, my tennis expenses, just that's so much, it takes up so much money on its own that I made the conscious decision that this year one, you know, I actually want to travel a bit more on my own, just so I can, you know, kind of get that confidence back within myself and that trust within myself. And, um, you know, which was great and really, really great for me. But I also couldn't afford someone to really be with me. And I think that has kind of shown, I wouldn't say that's why my ranking has dropped. But I mean, when you're going week in and week out by yourself, there's only so much you can really do on your own. And in a sport like this, it's really important to have that support and to have, you know, just 
someone with you because it, it you take I take on everything the bookings the travel you know figuring out food laundry stringing this that like coordinating practices what makes the most logical sense like there's like it's just a daily thought process and it's like you can't turn your mind off Mm -hmm. and even just having someone there that can help like take just something off your plate so and it's the complete opposite of juniors in college where in juniors your parents or your coach or a combination are handling all of those things for you like you said all you had to do was show up and play tennis in college if you're a junior player or college player like enjoy it because those were the best times and looking back I I would am, like I would love to go back to the junior days where I knew nothing about finances I had everything taken care of I had my mom with me I had my mom like you know making little like lunch boxes for me like I, I I didn't have to do anything and it was so great and all you had to do was play and that's like that's how it should be. You just show up and play and compete and whoever, you know, is the better player that day wins instead of all this other nonsense that ends up clouding, you know, your, your mind. Um, right. yeah. yeah. And and on top of that, it's this sense of, you know, you're a brand now. You're not just a tennis player, but you have to brand yourself because this is the culture we're in right now. Um, those with the best branding get the sponsors, get the financial support, get the opportunities. And it costs money as you're sharing with us to be out there on tour. And in order to get your ranking up, you have to be able to play well and win matches and have your mind focused on the tennis rather than be distracted with all of these other things. So how are you working yourself and are there people that you're working with to help you kind of refine the Jamie Loeb brand so that you can attract some financial support to help you move up the rankings? Yeah. It's like the chicken or the egg. You start winning matches and doing well, and then people want, you know, to you know help you or you get the help and you start doing well like it, that I think that's the toughest part like in this industry too where you know players like myself my ranking is now close to 300 and it's like oh if a brand sees they're like oh well you know we need you to be top 100 top 150 at that point I don't really need you like this is when I need you and need the money at this stage obviously would need it then but it's more crucial and important now um, you know, I think for me, I, I do enjoy social media. Sometimes I, I tell myself like take a break from it because it becomes a lot. And like mm. there's as much as there's a lot of good, there's also a lot of negative as well. But part, like you said, like part of my job, I have to brand myself. And, you know, I'm very authentic on social media. I post like all different sides of Jamie and the day in the life and, you know, things I love outside of tennis, the grind food, dogs, family, this, that, dancing videos, you name it. Um, And I love it. And, you know, I've definitely spoken to people about like, okay, like, how do I brand myself? Like, what, like, what do I need to also keep engaging, you know, people and maybe reach a different audience or reach brands? Um, 
So I have been talking with some people, but still I'm the one I'm like running my account. I'm on my own business. So like, yeah, it would be nice if someone could also just take that over. But at the same time, I think I enjoy that, that aspect and that creative control. Um, give, give us an idea of like, if, if you go far in a tournament one week, what range is your prize money check in and how does that compare to what it costs you to be at that event for the week? Well, it depends what level event. Sure. So the events are changing a little bit next year, but like say a $25,000 event, which is like the lowest, like it was 15, then 25. The winner, the winner gets $4,000 total. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it depends. It, it, the thing is, it just very much depends like where are you traveling from? And, um, you know, like, or say, for example, this year, my first tournament of the year, I won a 25K um, to start off the year. It was in Malibu, California. Nice. Very, yeah. There, I mean, that plane ticket right there, I mean, one way was, I remember, I think at least like 300, 350 from like New York. Because um, also around the time that I went and I did housing. So like housing is where like host families, you know, want to host players and a lot of times you stay with strangers and but I was actually fortunate there's a people like a family that you know just gave me their condo for the week and like I actually never met them and they're super super nice um so I saved money doing that because Malibu but everything in Malibu is so expensive so that week I I made money to start my year I mean probably with flights and food and everything and what I like probably made the like say like 2500 which was great mm-hmm. um but then a lot like this is this is a tough question because there's just there's so many levels and so many yeah. factors um, no I know but I think you know people have this mindset that you know oh you're a professional athlete you're making seven figures a year like that's no. not the case I think this year my total prize money could be wrong but I think it was maybe sixty thousand. But then you don't factor in the flights, the international flights. Like my flight down here was like close, was like maybe like $700, like one way. And then like staying at hotels and um, prize money and all that. Like it's, it's, it's so expensive. Um, And then you have to pay taxes too. Pay taxes. And then like, if you have like I'm renting an apartment in North Carolina, this, that, like it's like it's almost it makes it impossible to have a, a coach because also if you have a coach with you, it's a fully different full another expense. You have to pay their weekly salary plus their entire expenses. Like it's you know, you stay in a hotel for a week and that's like a good like eight hundred dollars to a thousand dollars right there, um, depending where you're where you are. And you know, food, groceries, stringing. I mean, I get three rackets strong, like, you know, $60 right there. Um, like it, it, everything adds up and you're not, you're not make you're, you're essentially losing each week unless you're playing the, you know, doing well at the WTA 250s and above, but mainly it's the slams. Like you, you first round qualifying prize money. I think right now at all the slams is like 20 K. So that's like a huge thing. I haven't made a slam in almost two years besides making US Open doubles this year. But like 
that income has always been pretty important and like has set me up for like each quarter of the year. And um, not having that really hurts because, you know, I, I lost, I would, I played tournament here. I lost, uh, it's a one twenty five. Um, it was in Argentina in Buenos Aires and I lost, um, second round of singles and lost first round of doubles. And I think I made like $1,200 or something. And you would think at that level, like, Oh, it's a WTA, it's one twenty five. It's so much more, but also like the taxes out of here. Like, it's just, you look at flights, flights are so expensive. (laughs) It's so like, I mean, yeah, it's just so crazy. So it's, it's almost impossible to make a living and to be able to afford this just from your earnings. Like it is impossible. And that's why, you know, you need those sponsors and brand deals. And it's like, you have almost, it's like, you feel like you have to beg sometimes and almost like sell your soul of why you should invest in me because they just see a rank. They see a number, they see your ranking, they see your age and like, eh, you know, sorry. Like, doesn't make the cut, but they don't really look at you as like the potential of the person that you are and like your actual talent level. And it's just, it becomes tough because people are quick to judge you for a number. And I feel like there's way more to me and to all these players than a number. There's so much depth, but it's the resources and the opportunities that aren't always, you know, I guess, accessible to Mm. a lot of players such as myself. What would you want potential sponsors or brands to know about you that you feel like, you know, it's difficult for them to know this just based on looking at results or just based on looking at your Instagram or TikTok? Um, you know, that it hasn't been an easy road and that, I mean, I work very hard. Um, I haven't had a stable team in quite some time and that's an area I've been wanting to invest money in, but I haven't had the money in recent years to do that. Um, the last time I had that was in 2019, I got a grant from Oracle, which really helped me and it was great, but the money goes quick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not forever. Um, did it help, you know, for sure it helped me, but like, it's, you need something more stable and, you know, um, like a salary would be nice. Like any other human being in this world. <laughs> so yeah, that, you know, I, I mean, for me, I know I have the talent, I have the passion, the work ethic. Um, it's just more so putting the resources together, but you need money in order to have the resources. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think I have a lot to offer <laughs> and, um, also too, like I love building relationships with people and I value those relationships. And I think that's something, you know, maybe athletes don't always do a good job with because they always have, I mean, I do have an agent, but I still like to talk to brands personally. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times like that personal connection gets lost because the agent just takes over, which is, that's their role. It just, you know, lets the athlete or the player focus on their, you know, what they're doing. But I, I very much respect and appreciate the relationships. And like, I think that's something that's like really important and maybe important to brands to like see the, the passion, um, you know, from the athlete. So I also have that to offer. So I know there's several players out there that have created GoFundMes or other, you know, types of online 
donation portals where people can donate anywhere from $5 to, you know, $5 million if they want. Um, Have you done something like that? Or would you do something like that to help you stay out on tour and build the type of support network that you need to reach your tennis goals? I think I I definitely thought about that earlier in my career. Um, I think it's harder for me to do that now, even though that's what I need, the, the financial support. But like, I don't know, for me, I'm like, it seems desperate, but like, am I desperate? Maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think I will create one, but that's like the idea of like what I would need. It's just, I don't know, maybe someone wants to create it for me. Um, but I know like any money and funding, like it goes to, you know, my training mm-hmm. and that's, you know, my, and that includes like my travel, all my travel expenses, and then having the proper team around me. Cause I think that's a, that's the biggest thing for me is having the support and the stability, um, because I can't do it on my own and it's pretty impossible to do it on, on your own. Um, so I think I've maxed out that aspect and like, I, I really know to take it to next level. And what has made me successful earlier in my career was having that team and having that, um, whether as you know, in juniors where I had that, um, to college, I had that. And to the beginning of my professional career, I had that. And it's almost in a way that seems like the, the like common denominator, like, yes, I, I have to give myself credit. I have the talent. I, you know, I'm the one doing it, but I also had the surroundings around me to allow myself to, to thrive in those environments. And, um, as much as I've, you know, learned a lot being by myself and it's been great in many ways, you know, there's something to be said about having the immediate support too. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I'll create a GoFundMe. Maybe, maybe we'll talk more about it. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. Several years ago, I was at the U S open and, um, I was sitting in Armstrong and I was sitting next to this couple and they were cheering for one of the players on court. And I said, Oh, or, you know, are you related to him? And they're like, no, but, um, he's from our hometown. And when he was a little kid, we were at this park and we saw him playing and we really took an interest in him and we've been sponsoring him since he was, a little kid and following his career. And, you know, part of the deal was if he got to the U S open that we would have seats in his player box. And so here we are. And, you know, I thought, gosh, what an interest, like it never occurred to me that this was when I was just at the beginning of parenting aces. So really didn't understand these dynamics of, of how these players did get the funding. And it was the first time I had met somebody that, you know, they weren't tennis players. They weren't related to this guy, but they just took an interest in him and wanted to help him succeed. And, and I thought that was so cool. And since then, of course, I've heard lots of stories like that and, and, 
kind of the other end of it is, you know, people like you who are looking for somebody like that to step in and believe in you, but not just believe in you in their heart, but believe in you with their checkbook. (laughs) And so it's, I know it's a tough ask because it's not like, you know, you are from, a family that was struggling financially growing up, you know, you, you had a comfortable upbringing, but it's uh, but like that my parents have not helped me since I turned pro because they financially can't help me. So I also want to make that like, I well, haven't the easiest, like also transition to pro life. Cause also I will say a lot of parents support their kids on tour too. Well, that was, I was getting to that, that, you know, having a nice upbringing doesn't mean your parents have an extra hundred or $200,000 a year to throw at you to support you as an adult who, you know, theoretically should be able to support herself out in the world. Right. And, you know, we, as parents, we, we plan to support our kids through high school, maybe through college. And then, you know, the goal is here you go, person, we have educated you, go out in the world and now take on that responsibility. As a professional tennis player, it's very difficult to take on that financial responsibility on your own. And that's where you are right now. You are at a place where, you know, somebody does need to step up a brand, um, a, a financial angel, somebody to help you build your team and stay out there. And I'm really hopeful that, you know, somebody in our audience is that person for you or, you know, know somebody that is that person for you and can make that connection. Um, So if somebody listening to this is that person, what would you, you know, how would they connect with you? Um, How would that conversation start? I guess a couple of things before we get there, because you touched on a lot of things. Um, one, I mean, I did have some help in the beginning of like the first couple of years um, on tour, which also I had some of my best results. Um, so also like no full surprise there. And, um, you know, it definitely kind of showed like, you know, relieving some of that worry, like what it does to you. And, you know, and yeah, as a parent, I'm going to touch on that. Like, you know, it's a big decision to make. I mean, I'm the youngest of four. So, you know, my parents have had a lot of expenses, um, you know, with all of our tennis and everything throughout the years. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they haven't been able to, to support me. I mean, they support like what I am doing. And, you know, they love, you know, watching me when they can. And, um, you know, in spirit, they're always supporting me, but financially, they can't. And, you know, it's, it's tough. And, um, it's very common to have, um, just like a, like someone sponsor you. People ask me like, well, what do, uh, like, how do people do it? And I'm like, it's crazy to think, but like, there's just people that care or like, you know, like your story, like they just take an interest and they, they just want to see you succeed and they have the money. And it's like, wow, that's incredible. Um, but it's not always like that. And, you know, I mean, most people, I feel it's just tough to be like, Hey, can I have money with no strings attached? Um, that'd be great. But, you know, for me, like, you know, I, like if someone were to give, you know, to help me and help fund me, I mean, the opportunity to like 
travel to tournaments to, you know, discuss like scheduling and kind of like be involved, um, you know, with my, with my tennis, with my choices, um, you know, even potentially just like bouncing off ideas of like coaches, um, you know, having them just kind of feel included and be included in this journey um, because they are very much a part of this journey. And like, like I said, I'm very like relationship oriented where like, I also want like the people and others to like feel, you know, connected and, um, that, you know, they're not just like an ATM. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's that, um, you know, opportunities of like potentially paying back in the future, which would be more of the riskier side. Um, but that's also me taking a chance on myself and like, you know, but also showing some accountability too. Cause like I said, it's, you know, not every day where someone's just going to give money just because they want to, but maybe they do. Um, and I think just, yeah, being a part of this like unique experience. And for me, like I'm so driven and passionate that like, I want to give this uh, like my all and uh, like the proper go at it. Um, you know, I'm 28, but like, I, I don't feel ancient. Like people are like, Oh, you're trying to like, and then some people are like, Oh, you're so young. Some people are like, Oh yeah, you're getting up there. And I'm like, I mean, I haven't even reached my peak and my prime yet. So like, I, I know that about me. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's other things I guess, you know, we can like think about, but I would say those are the kind of like two big things. Like I, have to offer and there's you know a lot of tennis fanatics out there that you know never experienced like professional tennis and um it would be cool like for them to you know see what it's like and to you know be a part of it and you know meet certain players or whatever like just say they've done things like that's like their that's like that's like their us open and like it'd be you know fun for me to you know have that experience with them um and yeah i guess those are things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, I've been very lucky with parenting aces. I've had some incredible opportunities at professional events, um, sitting in player boxes, sitting, you know, in the front row court side at big tournaments and and meeting players and things. And it's it's a tennis fan's dream come true. I can tell you it is an incredible experience. So you know, to have that opportunity and to have the chance to help somebody really reach their dreams and goals, I think is so cool. And, you know, would love to see somebody step up or, or several somebody step up and do that for you, Jamie, because I, I, I believe in you. I wish I had the funds to do that for you. I, I work for free at Parenting Aces basically. So um, I know the feeling, but um but I do have somebody, you know, behind me paying the bills. So I'm very lucky that way. But, you know, if if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Because I know you're traveling all the time. Yeah, um, I guess either through email or Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, my Instagram is all my handles, jlobe308. Um, so I guess you can start, start through that. Um, I guess, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if they want to, if it'd be too much work for you, but if they, you know, contact you first and then you, you send me the contact over, but yeah, through, through social media and I'm always checking and seeing things. So, um, 
Yeah, I'll I'll check I'll I'll check my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I definitely want to leave our audience with an action step here. So, you know, I I would say at the very least, make sure you're following Jamie on social media and following her career because she's a fun player to follow. She's as you can tell, full of personality and um, you know, the tennis notwithstanding, she's just a good human and and somebody that would be fun for your kids to follow as well. Because I feel like, Jamie, you've gone on a path that a lot of our audience looks to go down, which is, you know, having success in the juniors, then going on to play high level college tennis, finding success there. And then if the opportunity presents itself, going on to have a professional career. But um, also, I want to leave my audience with, if you are interested in supporting Jamie financially, follow her on Instagram, DM her, or as an alternative, message me, email me, and I'll put the two of you in contact with each other. And I'll let Jamie manage her um, her own sponsor deals that way. But I'm happy to be the conduit of information. If people are more comfortable going through me, that's fine too. And I will have links to all of Jamie's contact in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So make sure you check that out. Um, Jamie, one last question before we wrap this up. What does life after tennis look like for Jamie Loeb? Oh, the endless world of possibilities. <laughs> um, there's multiple things. And there's actually, uh, you know, one thing I'm starting to work on now um, that could be a bigger thing post-tennis. But say one of the things I'm really passionate about, I would love to commentate. I'd love to get into broadcasting. Um, that would be really fun for me. As you see, I'd love to talk and I'd love to analyze and I love tennis. So. There we go. Um, marketing, marketing for brands. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, sporting brands could do better, a better job marketing athletes and also showcasing their personality a bit more and in, uh, you know, campaigns and just, you know, events and things like that. So that would be really fun. Um, you know, some coaching. Um, I think if I were to coach in college, it would only be at UNC. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'll keep my eye on that. Um, but then also, too, I'm really passionate about, you know, helping the younger generation, especially younger girls, and actually started my own consulting business on the side, because that's also in a, another way for me to make passive income while I'm on tour. But that's something I, you know, can see myself even pursuing um, more when I have, you know, more time maybe a business partner um, post tennis, but I definitely, you know, am flexible to do it while I'm playing. But like you mentioned, you know, I've done junior tennis, the transition to college, college to pro and still on tour. So it's like, I've kind of have, you know, hit a lot of check marks and have a lot of experience and knowledge to share. And, you know, I wish growing up that I had, especially like a female voice and a female player that could, you know, guide me through the experience, especially, you know, the decision of, you know, um, going from high school to online school and the transition of, you know, playing junior ITFs and like what, what that process looks like. And then do I play, do I go back to school? Do I play pro? Um, what does pro life look like? You know, there's so many factors that I had to, you know, figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, 
part of me is so grateful of that because I am the person I am today through those experiences. Part of me wishes I had someone to just kind of walk me through and uh, be that, you know, mentor support system um, that could just guide me in that process. So yeah, I'm also a consulting service for parents, for kids, for clubs, for colleges, whoever, um, you know, just to help um, kind of the younger generation just through these processes and just, you know, understand what went well, what didn't, what I wish I did differently. And like, just, you know, kind of whatever, like basically that we're talking about now, but, you know, in a more specific way, like to also, you know, progress. And, um, I would love to be a part of, you know, a younger kids, like, you know, journey and, see them succeed that like that would make me happy and like having that impact. So that's something I feel I can really, um, you know, take off in and, you know, hopefully do well. I love that. I love that. Okay. I lied. I have one more question. If in the future you have kids, will they play tennis? I'll introduce them to tennis. I do not want them to have this lifestyle as a professional athlete. <laughs> Maybe by then there'll be some sort of small sal- guaranteed salary on on tour where they can have that stability, but I I would like them to do other things. If this is their passion, that's great. I'm not going to force them. Um, but I definitely will introduce them to tennis. Um, it'll be so interesting because I feel like part of me would want to stay out of it a little bit, but knowing myself for sure, I'll be hands on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, tennis is a huge part of my life and I love it. So of course they're going to, they're going to share that with me and hopefully they'll be proud of their mom one day. Absolutely. I love that. Jamie, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. You are an awesome woman. Um, I, you know, I've followed you for years. I think we first met you were playing the junior U.S. Open um, years ago. You're like one of my first years being there as parenting aces. So, um, yeah, I've been following you for quite a while. And I'm just so excited for you and what the future holds. And um, fingers crossed that your ranking gets to a place where you get to play all four slams in 2024. And those budget issues become non-existent for you. And somebody watching this or listening to this says, oh yeah, I've got a check for you, Jamie. Here you go. Let's keep you out there another five years. So (laughs) that would be amazing. So best of luck to you in 2024. To my Parenting Aces audience, thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.